Hello, and welcome to this uh, latest episode of the Memory Historical Linkages podcast. I'm Sean McCarthy, joined once again by Sarah Ward and Tasha Smith, and our special guest, uh, Gerard Pico, who is a uh, historian and researcher, and uh, we'll be very uh, interested to hear what he has to say uh, today about his research, especially in the Acadian community. Uh, so, well, Gerard, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, we're very glad to have you. Uh, so, Gerard, you're, you and I are, 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 are former Bulbarians. Uh, you know, we, we spent, spent a little bit of time on the island uh, and, again, doing a, do, doing a fair bit of research, each in, uh, each in our own way, and then sometimes, you know, working collaboratively. Um, so I, but I don't know that we've ever really kind of talked about maybe kind of the origins of your historical interest. So maybe, maybe we can kind of start there and talk a little bit about how you got involved in uh, research and where your interest in history came from. Absolutely, yes, and thank you. Um, yes, we have sat together in, in many little dingy little halls and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we did a wonderful project together that was viewed by about maybe three people. <laughs> the summer of 1685 was, was one of them. Um, uh, yeah, you're a participant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Are you a guest? Okay. Yeah, I think we had three, maybe four people to see that one. That, that represented two years of work. <laughs> so it's just, uh, I'm, I'm so happy. That I'm, I'm looking at your numbers here on your podcast and I see that you're climbing and climbing. And it's just great that it's kind of getting traction. So, so anyways, going back to the original question, um, and therefore you'll see that uh, we, we do chase squirrels. <laughs> so um, I, guess, I, I guess it started early. Um, I, I was, um, it, it, it started when I was only young. Uh, so I guess the easiest way to class it is I'd lost my culture. Uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to identify it. And, um, eventually uh, I, I recaptured it and, uh, to, to see the traditions and, and the, the beliefs and the um, the history of it is is it's just unbelievable how how much history is there, and how it well links with Miramichi and Miramichi area uh, is one of the the things that I was I, I never was expecting. Um, so that's that's one of the ways one of the things that that, that got me very interested in in all of what what's gone on. Um, the most um, I guess compelling thing to, to to lead me down this route was the um, the lineage of my maternal ancestor. Um, my, my paternal ancestry is very interesting also, and I'll touch on that a little later on. But anyways, um, specifically, uh, I'm a descendant of Alexis Landry. Um, Alexis Landry is a, an Acadian um, who essentially is responsible for the shape of the Acadian Peninsula as we know it today. Um, he is one of the founders of Karakut. He is his um, grandson is Simon uh, is actually the founder of Grand Ants, um, and so on and so on and so on. So the, there's a history that I, I, I knew little of, and uh, going through and, and, and revisiting documents and going through archive work 
clips and, and, and clippings and all that kind of stuff. It's just been really thrilling, um, it's, you know, to rediscover my ancestry. And uh, as I said, like I, I moved to St. John when I was 11 years old. And essentially, uh, my my ancestry, my, my heritage was a point of soreness. Um, it was, uh, you know, at a time that, that there was very little uh, patience for different cultures and and um, and and so and so that you, you kind of hide from it uh, and so it becomes something that that you know and, and it, it's not like I guess it's not like riding a bicycle you know like once you know it you know it forever uh, you kind of lose it if you don't practice it it's same like it's same like the the my my, my maternal language. Uh, you know, I, in in seven years that I was in St. John, I, I missed about He lost my French, and so um, I w- and went back and relearned my French. I uh, went to uh, a French trade school. I learned my French back from from my brother-in-law, who's um, Swiss, and he comes from the uh, French sector. So I I speak French sometimes, avec une petite bouche, as they say. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting uh, to to see a lot of people look at me and say, "You're not from around here." Are you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I acquiesce and say, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's and, and so noticed a lot of history. My my brother was a theologian and uh, a historian. My uncle, uh, who was actually the dean of the uh, Brunswick Teachers Association College uh, for a while. Ernest, uh, Dr. Ernest Pico, um, really did the the um, readapting of the of the uh, history of, of our of our paternal family, the Pico side, um, and uh, really that that brought back a world of information, and also um, a lot of work done on my ancestry, uh, uh, my maternal ancestors, and uh, the fact that my my grandfather, who I never knew. Uh, passed away when I was two years old. Um, was one of the pre um, preeminent builders of of uh, the Acadian Peninsula and Bathurst. So the community college up on top of College Hill, he was the uh, what they called in, in that at that point uh, the contremaître. So he essentially took his uh, w- uh, walking orders from uh, Monseigneur Le Bastard, who was the architect uh, of all those and beautiful churches and buildings. And, there's over 40 structures, homes, private homes in Bathurst that were, that were built by Jean-Baptiste, um, who, as I said, was a, a great-great-great-grandson of, of Alexi. Um, and so, anyway, so that gives you a little bit of a background on, on my history and, and what really brought me back to it. Um, after moving here, finding out um, a lot of these things, and then I end up being the uh, caretaker of the monument site at Wilson's Point. And um, unknown to me at that time, I mean, if I listened to Rachel, I would have known. <laughs> but um, unknown to me at that time was that, you know, uh, we were doing maintenance. My son was there helping me, you know, on a weekend. We were doing some, you know, grounds maintenance. And then to find out that he, as ancestors that he might even be walking on the same ground as those ancestors that were some of them survived the Grand Dérangement 
And tragically, four or five of them didn't. They're buried somewhere as it was this morning. We still don't know exactly where that site is. So anyways, so that, that kind of gives you a little chill down your back when, when that you finally figure that out and how I, how I tight the circle is, as it were. So I, I, I don't know if that, that explains a little bit of my background. Anything else, Sean? Or are we done? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get off that quite that easily, Gerard. But, oh, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> but we certainly appreciate um, that. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think, I think each of us here is, is um, at least a little bit, and maybe, maybe more than a little bit, um, familiar with that rediscovery process. Uh, that is at once, you know, kind of, kind of in its broadest sense, but also in um, in that personal sense as well. And uh, what has that meant to you, uh, Gerard, to be able to kind of reconnect, um, not only kind of with the culture broadly, but maybe with your own, your own past and your own ancestors um, in, in those ways? Well, I think rediscovering one's history is really a good method of anchoring yourself. Um, it, it kind of, um, you know, I mean, the old adage is if you don't know your history, you're going to be, you're doomed to repeat it. Um, the, um, I guess the, 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 the connectiveness with, with my ancestry and my connective, the, the connectiveness with, with what had gone on. Um, and the fact that, you know, that's, it, it's, it's uh, one way or the other, it's water under the bridge. And, um, you know, or you can't get it back. You're, 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 you uh, tend to kind of get uh, really emotionally involved in it. becomes It becomes a, a, um, a sore point. But, you know, you, you, can't, you can't dwell on it, obviously. You have to, you, have to, you know, learn your history and, and move forward and um, become, become better for it, I guess. And, I guess part of the part of the responsibility is to make sure that you know others know of, of that history, and hopefully we're, we're you know have 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 them realize this whole thing about today and about cancel culture is really interesting because essentially uh, you know we have we have and I mean I don't mean to get into race wars or or or, or any of that. A stressful <laughs> um, uh, subject, but anyways, the, the 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 thing is, is that a lot of our history has been, and it's only through this learning and through this exploring that we're able to bring it back, and we're able to understand and to learn from that, and and to, to move on in a more positive and um, you know to to. to to say that you know that there's there's no room for racism, there's no room for for hate, um, although uh, we see it all over today, and so there's there's uh, you know there's 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 ways to to um, and I'm not going to use the word because I I had been assimilated, um, but uh, it, I guess it's to to uh, to to learn from those mistakes and and uh, become better for it. I guess that's that's the the my twist with with uh, I guess this whole thing. I had an an incident um, at Wilson's Point where you know I'm talking about 
uh, our collective history and and one individual said well you know you want to erase their names you want to you know erase their their effigies you want to and you know no that's that's not what it's about but you also need to know that there are others involved and it's just not that one point of view that needs to be written in the manuscripts that are written in the in the history books you know and i mean there's there's so much history that's that's written from the victor's point of view and unfortunately that's so skewed that it doesn't represent the, the, the actual um the happenings the, the sufferings and you know the the the, the victories and and uh, you know, when I when I look at my ancestors uh, and I look at Alexi, uh, who was uh, in the uh, Bay Fundy area in, in uh, Olac, uh, you know, one of the things that that you really don't appreciate, you just attribute it to doom and gloom and and all of this this fighting. And they had a lucrative lifestyle. They had uh, he was a merchant. He dealt with the fortress of Louisbourg. I mean, the king at that point said, you know, look at the expenses I'm paying here at Libor. The, 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 the streets are paved with gold, uh, you know, for the expenses that were, were going on. And, and also the trading with uh, New England and uh, all of the colonies. And so, you know, there, there's there's part of, of a history that you really don't appreciate. The other thing was um, to see how owing we are to indigenous hosts and that's what I will say, because a lot of the writings that I've discovered are, are you know, represent indigenous, especially of this area, with a high regard and a very, very respectful point of view. One of the things that you notice as you're digging back further, um, that you'll notice that the indigenous of this area were known as the crossbearers. And so you're, you're you know, the... The, the Christians, as they came over here, you know, post-Columbian, um, you know, looked at that and said, oh, my God, essentially, you know. Um, but there's something there a bit more subtle than that. And so that's that's um, the, the, the indigenous of this area were, were regarded as very, very, very fine people. So that's that's one of the things that I did get out of, of my research. Your your story sounds very familiar to Indigenous, uh, but when you say about reconnecting and relearning your culture, because uh, yes. that sounds very familiar to um, people that have gone to residential school uh, through colonization. Oh, so those rediscoveries are happening and stories are being told that we're not told in history books or textbooks or what we learn in classroom and um we're just finally yeah. at the stage where we're starting to tell our stories as indigenous people. So, and then the connection with the kids. Yeah, the story needs to be heard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, it, when I, I, I watched uh, Tully's interview, uh, I wasn't aware. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've, I, I sat down with, with uh, quite a few um, and, and, you know, was was regaled in the culture and regaled in the history and regaled in in, in the uh, practices as it were and uh, you know to, to see the beautiful nature of that I mean for me uh, I 
it, it it's anyways it's it's, a, it's more of a of a of a point for a private discussion than it is for public <laughs> so anyways yeah no it's in and and i'll i'll say one thing i mean your 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 history is a beautiful one um you know I, my more recent researching has gone through um the earlier uh where where i mean i've been i've been watching a lot of um I don't know if you've heard of Graham Hancock. Um, Graham Hancock has a series called, um, oh yes, the Ancient Apocalypse. Um, and then we go on to geomorphology um, of Randall Carlson. And there's another one, his name is Antonio um, Zamora, um, that have been looking at, and a lot of this information deals with Miramichi. Um, Again, things that you you know I was not aware of, um, and, and the way the way the the whole geological formations run through here, this area is just unbelievable. When you start looking at it and you look at the evidence through their eyes, it's it's a pretty revealing. But um, you know, to to think that the indigenous culture were here thousands, and I mean thousands of years, you know, after the the the, the latest glacial maximum. Um, you know, and, and running into to, to, to these phases, um, it's pretty amazing uh, the amount of history and the fact that one of the interesting facts is that it was borne out that there was more population in North and South America and Central America than there was in Europe pre-Columbian. So how does that shake your tree? You know, that's that's uh, that's. Unbelievable when 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 I when I first saw that statistics, and uh, appreciated for what it was, and you know how how we're characterized as hunter gatherers and you know and all of this here. Oh my goodness, what what a what a history that was lost. Yeah, you know? that's that's my yeah, connection in South America. Farming and <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're from the south, right? My grandfather's. Uh, half Mexican, half Navajo, yeah. so we have a history with uh, South America. Uh, okay, wow, yeah, yeah. The the I mean, this and and with the advent of lidar today, it's just unbelievable how much is coming out. Um, you know, the 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 things that were that were essentially you know in plain sight that you didn't appreciate, um, and especially in this area, and and I mean. Uh, one of the things, one of the projects that I'm currently working with, I'm not, I'm not directly, I guess I'm being used as a consultant uh, when it comes to the um, the um, Federation of Acadian Families and their work uh, trying to uh, trying to discover this site of the the, com the communal grave site at, at Wilson's Point. Um, you know, it's it's when you start looking at lidar imaging, you start appreciating things that. You know, just don't impute um, why these these certain disturbances are there, and so you start going, okay. Well, one of the interesting things I'm doing is um, I've started a dialogue with um, uh, with engineering company that might go in and and, and uh, cooperate some or, or disprove, which you know, which is which is just as well. Or just as as good, um, certain theories that I have, and so uh, 
or hope that uh, that's going to bear some fruit um, and, and so on. There's, there's a lot of misidentification in the history, uh, the current history record that, that, that I think needs to be righted. Uh, we can see a lot of the, um, the early French, uh, you know, a lot of people identify that with the Gandhanaj Mountain Seven Years' War. Uh, there was activity here hundreds of years before that. Um, you know, and, and I sent you, I, I sent you a recent map that I'd found by, um, Abraham Orgelius, who's uh, from uh, Belgium. He was from, uh, lived in Antwerp in 1570, there's a the date, um, publishes a map of essentially the world as he knew it at the time. <laughs> but lo and behold, there's a Camp d'Espérance in Mermerchie Bay in 1570. Hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's 200 years <laughs> pre Boisbert. Hmm. So that's, that's astounding. Um, and I mean, you know, through, through my research, I'd found where Cartier was, had spent some time in Mermerchie Bay. Um, and if you look at the renderings from um, from uh, Ordelius, he, he, you, you kind of appreciate the fact that it was a Cartier-centric map because the Bay of Fundy doesn't exist. And uh, Cartier never went into the Bay of Fundy. Samir de Champlain, you know, um, yes, uh, 75 years later, uh, you know, uh, and so far. But... Um, but it looks like Cartier spent a little bit more time. Is it possible that the Count d'Espérance was named by Cartier? There's some interesting research, <laughs> you know. So, um, and this this um, this cartographer actually was a trader, um, dealt with in antiquities and and coins and all that. Uh, I looked him up a little bit. And, uh, he he seems to be bona fide and and really. Uh, some of some of the uh, ones the first first one to to uh, project or, or or postulate continental drift um, also had Antarctica in his map, which is before that didn't exist, um, and it's marked down as Tierra del Fuego, which is the land of fire, right? Um, so that's pretty interesting stuff too. But anyways. I'm digressing. <laughs> so uh, that's that's a that's some of the and we speak about the, the little rabbit holes you kind of fall down into. That's there's one. Alice, <laughs> <laughs> how are you? <laughs> uh, anyways, so is that so far off the topic that we need to be brought back? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say. I mean, if there's anybody here that's that's not familiar with. Uh, with rabbit holes, I don't know who they are because I mean <laughs> we've all we've all done it in our research, and certainly uh, we'll do it, you know, in the future as well. Yeah. And in a way, well, like I just say, can't, can't pass it by. Well, that's it. Was but it, I mean, right? sometimes those rabbit holes will lead us to things, you know, uh, that are that are of great value. Certainly. Yeah, such as this here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Anyways, one of the things that, that, that uh, kind of led me to look at, you know, when we hear an, an original one, as I said, my ancestor, uh, Alexis, 
spent about a year here. Uh, lost four or five of his children. Uh, I'm still kind of like looking at the census records on that and found that uh, the early census putting him in Olac, uh, in um, Beausejour area, uh, Beaubassin. Um, he, um, he, he and his wife, Marie Theriot, who was a widow, uh, when he married her in 1743, she had four children that she had from uh, this previous marriage, um, Monsieur Cormier, um, and you know they were brought into the household, and um, and went on from there. So they went forward and had uh, five more. It looks like, and when the expulsion came from from the Beaubassin area. Uh, it looks like uh, uh, Alexei was part of the defense of Fortress, what was renamed Cumberland, but Beausejour, um, you know, 350 against 3,500 uh, of the forces of Robert Moncton. So that didn't last long. Um, they, they, they escaped from there. All of their possessions, their belongings, their livestock, their, their everything was burnt. Um, and then chased back up uh, into the Shediac area, into the, the, uh, the Rousseau of Malcontent. Uh, that's that's quite a name also. And then into eventually with uh, with, with uh, apparently 800 others uh, end up in uh, at the Camp d'Espérance and um, promptly get turned into a service prop on uh, Saint Jean, which was yeah, Prince Edward Island at the time, had failed. Uh, there was a huge windstorm that had gone through and flattened all the crops, and so they'd lost all all of their corn and their wheat and whatever it was that they were trying to harvest uh, had all been destroyed through through uh, nature and natural uh, circumstance. And uh, you know the the the, the uh, hurriedly put together camp, as it were. Um, and the provisions and, and, and all of that, the stores, uh, got depleted pretty quickly. And so four of his children end up passing away to either disease or starvation that winter. Um, and eventually the next year, he makes his way up through Pukmush and through to Karakut and eventually settles there um, with, after a bunch of meandering. Ends up being involved in the 1761 census. Uh, where Duclavet, and that's an interesting story too, uh, this whole Duclavet story, ended up in Miramichi, and he was supposedly um, the storeman for Boisbert, um and was appointed by the king. And, um, you know, in 1761, here he is, complete traitor, working for the British crown, and takes a census, and then uh, what's left of the the peoples in that area, and they, after the, the last naval battle in 1760 in, in uh, up in Arrestigouche, uh, he ends up going and, and taking a, a census of all the families who were left after these. And they all gather in Karakut, and here comes Roderick Mackenzie, uh, and load them all up, and they're off to the cab, and uh, you know, there, there's a, but the, the interesting thing is there's 157 of them that can't be brought on board because there's no room. 
So an indigenous uh, elder and chief is put in charge of them and say, you guys stay here, <laughs> we'll be back. And of course they didn't stick around. Um, so there's 157 that originally formed the Acadian Peninsula. Um, and so um, Alexi ends up on the original land grants, uh, which was, uh, which was, uh, I guess, seceded by um, the magistrate in the Pisiguit at that time, uh, Mr. Walker, Mr. George Walker. Um, and um, he, he ends up being uh, quite a, a, a builder and, and uh, uh, ends up being kind of like appointed a clergy and builds a chapel and uh, builds a, a, a foundry and a shipbuilding and, and uh, you know, and, and builds uh, ships that, that were sailed the ocean wide end up in London and, and so that, that's pretty interesting history. So I think some of that is is uh, kind of in my roots. Uh, I can feel that cursing through me when, I, when I'm when I'm in my shop doing my woodworking and, uh, and and so on. So that's that's a that's a very interesting story itself. So before we we close then uh, for uh, for this time. Um, Gerard, maybe, like I say, you, you have mentioned that uh, you are working on a couple of projects, and we know uh, you mentioned uh, the one that you're working on with one of our previous guests, Paul Savoie. Uh, are there any other, uh, any other things that are kind of in the offing uh, for you coming up? Yeah, there, there are a couple of things. Um, and as I say, irons in the fire. Um, there's um, a lot of evidence that's, that's here that I'm working on is, and I kind of briefly mentioned working with this engineering company um, to to reestablish certain, I guess, historical uh, renditions and drawings. The one I'm I'm kind of referring to uh, is the uh, as the etching uh, by uh, Harvey Smith, who was embedded with Murray, uh, came up the Miramichi River in 1758 and drafted a scene that was used by uh, Ronnie Gilles Leblanc uh, saying um, uh, a view of Miramichi. And in that view of Miramichi, we have a stone church, we have pastoral lands, we have paddocks, we have farmhouse, we have barns. And a lot of, a lot of uh, I guess, historians have attributed that to our church. Uh, unfortunately, if you look at the painting real closely, You'll notice that there is, it's facing downriver, and on the right, there's a bank. At Burnt Church, there's no bank on the right, which is one of the most telling things. The other things, there is a shale bluff that is in almost in mid-ground from this painting. And so I've had an engineer look at that and then apply it to a mapping system. And... They placed that, I guess, that settlement, as it were, at French Fort Pauvre. Now, uh, the, the artist is, is cited as being at this specific area on the bluffs on the opposite, which I guess what was called uh, the, the, the French Fort, which was the um, supposedly the, the site for where the cannons were, were deployed um, during all of this going on. So... I guess my, my question is, is like, if 
this was hastily set up and done in such a hurry. Uh, how do we have a stone church? How do we have all of this cultivated land? Uh, you know, it, it just seems to be, you trace that back now to this whole thing of Cooney and him stating of uh, Pierre Bobert. Uh, Pierre Bobert is a character that's it's kind of, it ends up uh, through the research that uh, groups and other groups and academics have done, uh, is, is a ghost person, supposedly uh, assigned to the Miramichi area in 1713 after the Treaty of to be the magistrate of the Miramichi area. Uh, this is just posted in Nicolas and Richard Denis, uh, de Fonsac era. And so, you know, um, there's another story that's pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, put him here. But Pierre Bobert, which was, you know, tentatively uh, a, a plausible uh, identifier for Bobert's Island, because apparently his head office was on Bobert's Island. Um, this character cannot be found in the archives, in the records, and so ends up being like, okay, well, there's not. And then there's the Journal of Murray uh, because of the, the, the problems with pronouncing Bois Hébert, ends up saying Bobert. So here, here he's, there, there's that history. But um, there's a lot of workings in the Miramichi area that are really not known. You go, just take a drive to point a car. Uh, there's one little area there, um, little little uh, creek called Taylor Creek. And if you look on the banks of Taylor Creek, you see workings on the bank. And they're most definitely dikes. And that's the signature of the French. You also go through another area. And it's at Denison Creek. It's on the way to Batavin. And you look at that area, and that area is polluted with dikes. And so it would be very nice to have some form of, you know, uh, empirical study go on there. And so those, those are kind of little projects that I'm working on. I'm hoping would bring some credence to the fact that they weren't here for just five years. Uh, I've got accounts and, and renditions and, and all that from, from later dates and from dates before, but I had done a PowerPoint presentation at one point and uh, I called that one uh, without a trace. And so there seems to be a lot of activity uh, during the um, late 17th century with the Denise, um, the partnership with indigenous families there, and um, the possible, in quotation marks, the possibility that Richard Denis was wedded with Anne Peritabago, Parabago, there's, there's some um, doubt there exactly what her name, but that's obviously a Christian name. Um, and I mean, their their firstborn is is baptized at Jemsek. He's 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 in the records at Jemsek. Um, there is talk of a an, an elder or a chief in the area at that time with the Denise. Um, there's talk of that in that information discovered at the uh, uh, by Casgrain in the late 1800s uh, records from. Um, 
the bishop whose name shall not be mentioned because it's as long as my freaking arm. Um, but Saint Valier, essentially, uh, he he ends up um, he ends up seeing this whole thing uh, from a second second pair of eyes, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting to to think that perhaps there is a, a link between the Denny's of today at Eelground and uh, the Denis of that time. So are the Denny's of today relatives of the Denny's of that era? So there, there's another interesting project too. So, you know, to, to sit down and, and kind of work out some family trees, work on some DNA analysis there. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So. So those are a couple of projects that I'm working on. Um, hopefully, uh, I'm going to, you know, keep keep plugging at it and see if I can grab, grab some traction here or there, and uh, uh, elicit some help, um, uh, you know, and and so on and so on. Thank you very much for sharing those uh, with us, Gerard. Um, any more uh, questions or comments uh, from uh, my colleagues? Not for me. He did so well explaining everything. I'm just kind of like still taking it all in. I wrote down so many notes. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime that you want to correspond, Tasha, uh, you, could, you want to ask it questions, feel free. Uh, okay, I'd, be, I'd be glad. And I'd be glad to share. Uh, obviously, I, I want to hear uh, your histories and, and, and all that. Um, I'd love yeah, to exchange information. That'd be wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you sound like somebody that can return for uh, another uh, podcast. You get so much information. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, I'm going to flog this one once it comes out. So I'll see if I can get my my views up, get you guys some more traction. Uh, I appreciate that too. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. And I say I'm, I'm I'm running. This will be put on uh, a couple of different social media sites, and and uh, hopefully you'll get some traction there. But I was very uh, very uh, pleased to see. Uh, I think it was a discussion. There's one that you got. It is over 300 right now. Over 300 views. I looked at this morning. Hmm. I think that was just a discussion about giants, which so. is something else. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just stunningly interesting, and that's. There's a lot of history there too, but uh, yeah, I got yeah. the giant in my kitchen. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, my 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 son is six foot seven, so we called him the Sasquatch. <laughs> so he's often a giant in your kitchen, but he's got his own kid. <laughs> well, uh, with that, um, we'll we'll certainly take this conversation. Um, off podcast because it sounds like like I say there's there's quite a bit more conversations to be had between the four of us uh, and you never know uh, dear viewer you may be seeing Gerard again uh, and that would be like I say it would be a great pleasure for us to to host him once again and it's been a great pleasure uh, of ours uh, to, to to speak with you today um, so uh, we thank you once again Gerard for joining us and uh, we thank you uh, out there for uh, for watching this episode. And we look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so in the meantime and in the in-between time, take care of yourselves and all the best. <laughs>